And welcome to another episode of Soccer Rangers in Space. My name's Amy. I'm the Pink Ranger. I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger. I'm John. I'm the Silver Ranger. I'm Robert. I'm the Red Ranger. Also, you're still alive? I'm still alive. I was uh, temporarily deceased doing Con Crunch. <laughs> Uh, just my corpse was just uh, laying over my sewing machine as my foot was on the pedal, and cosplays happened. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I yep. forgot that that's how they happen. We we just throw a dead body on the pedal. Uh. <laughs> there you right. go. Ten out of ten would not recommend. But here we are, and I'm actually here for an episode. And what I was crunching for was actually uh, packs. Well, okay. Little backstory, before that, I was crunching for Anna Medford, uh, the first anime convention in Medford, Oregon, uh, which nobody's heard of, that's fine, uh, put on by uh, Colossus Girl Entertainment, not to be confused with Colossal Con, it's Colossus Girl Entertainment. Um, they put on cons in Northern California, Idaho, and Oregon, and this was their first anime convention, and I was asked to be a guest, so I had my first guest table. Uh, and I sold no prints <laughs> and three dice bags, uh, but that's all good because it's not, it's hard to sell prints of yourself. People don't really want to buy a cosplay print unless they already know who you are going into it. Um, and I hosted a lip sync contest, which was super positive. Everyone had a great time, uh, and I judged the cosplay contest. So I was very busy for a one day con. So I was Asuka from Evangelion. And then we just did PAX last weekend. Rob, John, and I were all at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. And Cole yep. was not, but I'm sure he did not have a video game this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Overall, PAX impressions, it was a strange year. Uh, with the release of The Scarlet next year, there were actually empty spaces within the convention center. Uh, many attractions were brought off-site, which left the con feeling spaced out, and many titles that people were most excited about were coming out in just a few short months, so it, it didn't really seem worth it to wait upwards of an hour to even two hours in some situations for games that, you know, you can just, that you know you're going to buy. Uh, such ga a game, the Nintendo booth, uh, suffered from this problem because they just had Luigi's Mansion to showcase was their main game and if you've played Luigi's Mansion 1 and 2 you already know if you're going to buy 3 mm -hmm. pretty much that and Pokemon although I did thankfully somehow manage to get into Luigi's Mansion but just because I happen to be walking by at the right time <laughs> mm -hmm. nice um, and you've heard us talk about packs before we love the indie corner um, but before we focus on that, let's talk about some uh, titles on the main floor that we liked. Uh, for me, I really liked this game. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> loading, loading, loading. Edit this out! Edit this out! The fucking robot game! Oh, that was... Fucking robot game? I didn't, I didn't realize there was a fucking robot Volta, game. Violta X. Not Volta X, but I also liked Volta X. Oh, Disintegrate. The fucking robot... War... On the... Ah. On the Warframe. hoverbike. Um, nope. It's the one on the hoverbike, right? Hover boys. Disintegrate. Teams. I don't Disintegration! Know. Disintegration! <clears throat> Was Disintegration. Uh, it had a... AAA pedigree with makers who worked on the original Halo uh, on board and it was a team of 30 people so everyone's creative vision uh, actually had a tangible part in the final product. Uh, I really liked their approach. They took us into a side room and one of the developers told us about the game. Uh, we got to see a short video explaining how to actually play and be strategic and then uh, we got to play 
It is a 5v5 game where you are kind of like a big floating hover tank spaceship. Um, there's different types with different specialties, but you also have minions to do your bidding, and that's really the key to success in this game. Um, and I definitely would give it a try. I was real bad, but um, John also played that one with us. The way that sounded when you when you said that is like they took us to a to a side room <laughs> and they threatened us to tell us to like the fucking game. Uh. It had a yeah, it had a feel about it, and you know it reminded me a lot of. Um, it definitely could see the halo design from these guys in it but what was really cool about it was your guys flying around and your minions follow you and you give them orders like you could order them to attack enemies or take cover or hold positions what i thought was pretty cool was you could actually order them to pick up the objective point and carry it so you wouldn't have to be the one carrying it which i thought was actually a pretty good idea um I, I didn't get a chance to play this particular game, but I gotta say, having watched video, or I should say having watched people play it, and having watched the gigantic screen they had showing gameplay footage, their uh, little tournament-esque thing on uh, Sunday, I gotta say, that game really caught my interest for kind of a weird reason, and uh, I actually did not realize that there was anybody from the uh, Halo team that was involved with this, but... Uh, this almost looks more like what I kind of want vehicle combat in particular to be like in, say, Destiny. Because mm -hmm. that just looked so engaging, so interesting, had a great visual quality about it. And looking it up here, I did not realize that V1 Interactive, who's making it, is a uh, Seattle area game, or Seattle area company. So, yay for local oh, representation. Cool. Yeah. Well, they also had an impressive display. A lot of um, game developers seem to be relying on online marketing, but there's something to be said for having a wow factor at your booth. Mm -hmm. And they had a spaceship that you would be uh, laying forward diva style uh, <laughs> in and get in for photo ops, which I just found to be incredibly impressive and even better constructed than the prop for, um, they had a photo op with Cloud's bike which was showing battle damage after the first stage day and was not structurally sound. This thing was was really convincing and, and really sturdy. So mm -hmm. Yeah, no, don't let's let's not talk about my disappointment over uh, some of the Final Fantasy Seven stuff. Well, if not here then where, Rob? Let's let's I I don't want the fanboys to hate me. Just Let's talk about another robot get the game then. Volta X, also yeah! had a photo booth, which I like. That game was really cool. You were fighting robots, and you could target your opponent um, specifically. So you could target their cockpit, which when that reaches zero, you win, or any of their weapons, which could disable them. But on your side, while you're attacking, you also had... Uh, kind of like the monkey in the back of the truck in the Mach 5 for <laughs> Chim Chim. <laughs> chim yeah. Chims. You had an army of Chim Chims. <laughs> you had all these cute little repairmans who had adorable designs who could fix up your ship. So it was like, uh, it was kind of strategic that way, but I felt like I understood how to play the first time I, I got to play. Um, and it was fun, and I played with John. So. I really love the art aesthetic to it. Like, I love the boxy anime-style robot design. That just mm -hmm. was one of the things that really stood out to me. And I just love the, like, franticness of the uh, cockpit pilots as they were running back and forth from piece to piece. Yeah, the uh, animation was really... had a and lot the, of uh, vibrancy and life to it. And the gameplay, it was simple and fun. Definitely something I would pick up. Mm -hmm. Were both of these multiplayer style? Uh, Volta X, the demo was... Uh, two-player was 1v1, but I don't know. That is uh, probably just, a, I would hope, just a slice of the overall game. I'm hoping for some sort of story mode. Otherwise, it's going to be quite a light game that I don't think would have a lot of variety. So one? we'll see. Yeah. Uh, that one has a, uh, why do I keep, disintegrate, seems to have a campaign mode, which the producers seemed, producers, uh, developers seemed excited about, and I, I think it has heart as far as, um... Is there multiplayer in it? 
Oh, yeah. The, the main selling point, what they had to represent was multiplayer. What their point was uh, is there's so many Battle Royale games where there's a hundred different things going on, but you're one one-hundredth of the action. And here, there's ten ships and up to fifty minions. Uh, minions isn't what they call them, but uh, subordinates. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's up to, uh, you know... 50 things going on, but you're always one-tenth of the action, which is really nice. And there's uh, two cores to attack, so you can strategize that way. Um, so it was fun. I mean, I would pick it up if I had people to play with. Mm -hmm. So Definitely caught a lot of my interest. And not to go and spend a lot of time here, because I didn't play Volta X, but there's one thing that's kind of getting me about this game with all their uh, advertising stuff, because I... I'm randomly following, like, half of the things that either I got to play or you guys got to play that really got my blood pumping, got me interested. Because I will say, despite PAX having fewer overall exhibits, I will say I definitely felt like there was a quality over quantity thing going on this time around mm. that I have not really felt before. It felt like there was a lot less technical demos and a lot more fleshed out concepts. But Volta X is still kind of messing with me a little bit, and I don't know why I can't get over this, but... All of the little uh, animated, I, I want to call them minions, but I know that's not really the case. They're a pair of guys. They just remind me of the little imps that are always in the zero punctuation reviews. <laughs> that is true. Like, every time I see it, it's just like, I keep expecting to go and see Yahtzee or go and hear some <laughs> just random Australian screaming. <laughs> Why is my head over there now? Yeah. <laughs> still my All of favorite that kind of uh, stuff. the Minecraft review for Yahtzee is still my favorite even to this day yeah. who yeah. dares approach uh, Alpha <laughs> Omega 5 <laughs> that's my favorite oh god uh, anyway sorry I just had to get that out there because every time I walked by it I just kept having this thing of oh I gotta get over this yes um, another game that had a minion of sorts, calling it a minion is kind of heartless, uh, was Blair Witch Project, where mm -hmm. you had a dog companion, which for me was reminiscent, uh, Blair Witch, it's just called Blair Witch, I keep calling it Blair Witch Project, yeah. it's very loosely based on a cult classic movie that, uh, really jump-started the genre of, um, found footage, found footage, and they do have some camera play in the game, which is really interesting, where you can change your current environment by reviewing footage of that same environment, which uh, led to some interesting puzzle-solving moments, and I was frustrated because the developer uh, solved it for Rob next to me, and I was, like, <laughs> trying to drown him out. I was like, no, no, and he's like, do you need help getting to the next part? I'm like, no, I waited in line for 45 minutes. Let me have another five minutes solving this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have a dog, which uh, if... Um, I love the PS2 classic Haunting Grounds, oh, and yeah. it just made me think of that. I haven't played uh, the Fallout with the dog, Fallout 4, I believe, uh, but, you know, just having an animal companion, uh, especially with the way millennials feel about animals, how I feel about animals, you know, they're like our children. People really take care of animals, so it's nice to have something to protect in a game like that. Um and the dog seems to be a really useful, interesting asset to the game for the puzzle solving. Yeah, that one's just weird to me because it got announced at E3, we heard next to nothing about it, and then it just dropped right in the middle of the convention. Yeah. yeah. Like, it literally released on August 30th. Though I will say, that was at least a fun option to be able to try out the game a little bit. Uh, I might actually pick this one up, not right now, even at $30, which I think is probably the perfect price tag for somebody looking for a game like this. I can't say it's going to get me playing it, but, you know, if it finds itself 50% off on Steam, yeah, you know what? I thought there was enough there. I'll give it a shot. For I me, actually okay. went and picked it up. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> and I will say, it's, it's good. It does a good job of that whole suspense scare where you don't know what's going on, you don't see what's coming, and mm -hmm. the puzzle segments with the tape is actually really well done. It fits perfectly for the whole uh, theme of the game. 
because it's taking place in like the late 80s 90s uh 96 yeah but it appears to have no connection to the movies which i think is a good idea on their part it allows them to kind of create their own mythos and set their own um stage for the scares which is really well done and the stuff with the dog is fantastic not going to say anything to ruin the story, but the reason they picked the dog companion p makes a whole lot more sense the further you go through the game. Mm. Fair enough. The dog does look really goofy running, though. Yeah, True. there's there's a couple of little things. You could definitely tell this wasn't done by a AAA developer. This was done by Bloober Team. Want to emphasize that name, Bloober Team. <laughs> Which, anybody that names themselves that badly, I gotta say, I'm willing to forgive a couple of other things. Clearly, this is not <laughs> the most professional team that's ever been created. Alright, <laughs> I got a feeling there was a lot of late nights and a lot of caffeine that was involved in the development of this. Mm-hmm. Also, we're not just gonna get through this without uh, mentioning that this one made me literally jump and scream. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I wasn't gonna bring it up, but yeah... <laughs> That no, was you were. You're never gonna let me live it down. Like, like I, I got a little whoo. Like I got a little <laughs> shock. I took myself back a little bit. You <laughs> screamed. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Amy managed to go and hit, um, the extension railing about 20 feet up. <laughs> oh, okay, that's an exaggeration. I squeaked, yeah. but I, I felt <laughs> safe because nobody else had jumped in their chairs while playing. So I was like, oh, you know, sitting in line. So I was yeah, like, oh. no, you just got too zoned in and focused. Although, I gotta say, I'm still kind of freaked the fuck out here, because our friend Sierra was also with us, and I got <laughs> to see her going through the same thing. Zero reaction. No reaction whatsoever. Like, yeah. the jump scare happens, and she just smirks. It's like, what the hell? She does play a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's. I, mm -hmm. I know, but it's still like, wow, you are stone cold, girl. <laughs> Speaking of Stone Cold, uh, I felt like a Stone Cold dead body in Tiny Builds exhibit, where they mm. were showcasing uh, Grave Keeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name so well. It's uh, all good. It's all good. You were just a corpse in that moment. I was a corpse. Their display was the best display. They Agreed. had little coffins where you could lay down and play their game on Switch, which is basically like a graveyard Stardew Valley with fog Yes, I, I was hoping that this was the game you were talking about. Oh, my God. But I wanna, I did... I've been meaning to play this game ever since it came out on beta. It was actually funny because it was so popular during beta, it crashed the fucking site. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um this game itself was actually put. I can actually. I wasn't. I wasn't even there, but I know the backstory. For you can't, you go. Keeper, so you I'm go, good. girl. <laughs> um, this particular game was auction, not auctioned, but given out early access to a lot of different pop of YouTubers, um, both mostly smaller time, couple other ones that are a little bit more popular. But the game itself is funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like the main, the first thing you essentially the main concept of it. Is that you wake up, you're like, what the heck? Ha or it was like, I can't remember the opening sequence. Do you, do you wake up? Do you die first thing in the, in the beginning of the game? I can't remember. You just exist, and then you're like, where am I? And they're like, you're the gravekeeper for the town. You're like, oh. Why? <laughs> Why am I here? And it was hilarious, because you're like, okay, there's a body that got dro dropped off by a donkey up there that's talking to you. Go take some meat off the body and go into town and see if you can sell it. Yeah. Oh, and, then you, and then you get there. It's like, did you get, do you have the the proper stamp for for proper stamp for the meat? Is like, what? It's like, oh well, you need a stamp. All meat has to be stamped because some people used to be selling questionable meat. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and so you can just continue on. And it's like, you essentially rebuild the church. You make the graveyard look pretty. You can make a farm to make more things, and you can grow trees and. It's lots of it's a very intricate tech system, which is actually like a lot of extra layers in there that actually turns out really fun. Yeah, I I don't know. I actually found a bug where oh. I had put my sword on a stone wheel and then couldn't pick it up again and was being chased by slimes. So they gave me a hello neighbor stuffy uh, stuffed plushie for finding for... a for finding a glitch. Yeah. 
They're like, here you go, bug finder. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, what did, what did you think of the game, Rob? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't actually get a chance to play that one. But did you see it, at least, from the Oh, thing? yes, yeah. Tell us about a game you played, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. Uh, played a few. What about uh, Totally Reliable Delivery Service? I rather mm. like that one quite a bit. Kind of like Human game. Fall Flat, except for... Um, how do I put this? Um, there are vehicles that handle terribly, and it makes for some really hilarious moments. This you mean is like, like any GTA game? Kind of, but not um, not at all serious in its delivery or its design. I absolutely adore it. Oh, by the way, I want to, just because I also mentioned from Tiny GTA, Bills. am I the only one that agrees that GTA just deliberately makes their cars high, hard to control at high speed, even though you never go, you always are tra traveling at that speed? <laughs> I don't know. I generally don't like GTA's driving mechanic anyway, so, you know. Well, I, I don't no know. I, I like clumsy gameplay like uh, Rocket League, Humans Fall Flat, and my mm -hmm. favorite, Gang Beasts, because yeah. it's an ultimate equalizer that makes the games accessible to new players, because you just can't, you can't be good at it. Like <laughs> it's just clumsy. You're gonna you're gonna be silly. So. No, and I I do love those kind of games, and that that was a ton of fun to go and play, especially since they had their primary demo being done inside of a freaking golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> just add so many layers to it. It was the most uncomfortable demo, and it was the best demo because of it. <laughs> it's awesome. John and I played an uncomfortable demo. Uh, <laughs> we were playing this dating simulator called Later Daters. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. It was really good. It takes place in a retired living community. And Ethel needs to get out of my business. And it was yeah. her name Ethel? It was Ethel. Yeah, she's a she's a troublemaker. She yeah. to, like she's like in everyone's business. Mm -mm, and it's mm -hmm. like I just got here and now you're telling me what to do. And it's like, way. Yeah. I don't know why you had to sell your house. You had, like, this pet robot that could do everything for you. Yeah, we had a pet robot named Sassy who liked to yeah. chase butterflies. And Sassy would just, like, do everything. I don't know why we would leave. We had this pet robot that, that undid all of our, like, belongings. Yep. Uh, another good feature was um, they had a ageify yourself booth so you got to put on like gray wigs and afghans and stuff so john and i took some old pictures <laughs> so that was a really cute indie game um i think dating sims too that would be a really good one for a let's player or a twitch streamer mm -hmm. uh because that's kind of there's just so many jokes to be had it was cute it was a neat concept i haven't seen before mm -hmm. yeah it was a really entertaining idea and there's some new Monster Prom expansions, speaking of dating sims, but... Monster booth... Camp! <laughs> there's Monster <laughs> Camp! But that booth was so swarmed, we were just like, you know, we, we know what it is, we'll just play it when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's one of those ones. I'm glad that the creators of that have gotten the recognition that they deserved mm -hmm. with the great concept of the original. And even though last year was not a big year for a new release... I was really happy to see that they're coming out with a whole new game set with that universe and in that concept. The writing's just so good. People it I is. people think writing a dating sim is easy, and I don't know about that because I never have, but writing a good one can't be easy with clever dialogue, believable personalities. And not amazingly cheesy. Well, I mean, there's the, a time the and a place for the cheesy a, ones. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> If I'm you saying, design it right for. for the cheese, it's fine. But yeah, yeah, if you're trying to have a serious one and it comes off way too cheesy, yeah, that can be a bit of an issue there. There was a cute, serious game uh, in the indie corner that I won't spend too much time on uh, called A Fold Apart about mm. uh, puzzle solving through folding paper and the storyline followed a long-distance relationship. So, of course, I liked it. Um, <laughs> and Weeb. I, <laughs> shh. Let me... 
<laughs> yes, Speaking John, you can talk about it because you don't have the bias I do. Be like, oh, <laughs> I find this content relevant. <laughs> John, what were you going to say about the animation style? I like the animation. It was very charming. I like the idea of one character being one color and one character being the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the folding aspect was just unique. It reminded me a lot of like old school Paper Mario. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just, it was clever. It was a nice little brain puzzle. And it's nice to see a game like that every now and then. It was good, too, because it wasn't a timed puzzle. It had really nice music. You could just kind of figure it out at your own pace. Which I like. Yeah, it was a good relaxing game. And then one of the uh, one of the big games I went to, uh, well, it was Death Stranding had their booth there. Oh, speaking oh. of not relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like Death Stranding. This has obviously been the thing everyone's been talking about and no one even knows what death stranding is i don't think death stranding knows what death stranding is Hmm. only hideo kojima knows on what death stranding is pretty much and so we get into this line to see the demo and it's just a video it's just a video we're sitting in chairs and they have like this cute little animation beginning essentially telling us that if we're caught recording they're gonna carpet bomb us with uh land sharks with dynamite strapped to them literally that's yeah that's pretty much the extent of what we were told and the first uh three videos that were showed during this all showcased uh because they have popular actors doing these characters for the game because hero kojima's always had a big uh thing for throwing these people into his projects yeah um the fourth one was one no one ever seen before. It was it was essentially shown for the first time at um, PAX. Understandable. They did not want anyone recording this because the fourth video did a very good job of explaining the world and the event and what's going on and why he's walking in what looks like a endless walking simulator. Mm. Alright, so John, I'm going to set a timer here. You've got 30 seconds to get whatever you want out. And that's going to be the warning for anybody that doesn't want to hear any spoilers about the game. So, John, your 30 seconds begin now. All right. So, essentially, the premise is this event occurred where the um, lines between the line and living got blurred. A big event occurred. One third of the planet's population is probably wiped out by these things that are drawn to living things that want to kill them. All the dead things used to be alive at one point, so that's kind of the reason why they want to kill them. Uh, Norman Reedus' character is essentially to go halfway across the country to reunite the United Cities of America, which is this new pseudo-America they are making. And he has to make this trek across dangerous area, fighting off a terrorist organization called Demons, and fighting off what are called the Breach Babies, which are these things that look like dead people. But the only way. All right. <laughs> That's all you get. <laughs> That's all I get. <laughs> there was also something interesting that I just saw on Twitter the other day, but Keanu Reeves was, vid- uh, was visiting Hideo Kojima. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me. Keanu Reeves has been in a few different games lately. He's gonna make a. Uh, he's doing the voice acting and the facial recognition for the main bad in Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everybody freaked out when he walked on stage. Oh, and, if, and if we do want to get technical, there is one character that's been showcased so far for Death Stranding who's in a mask that has not been voiced yet. Hmm. So yeah, maybe well, he's doing a character. Who knows? Yeah, because they released a picture of Keanu and uh, Kojima sitting in, the, standing side by side, getting a picture taken in a white, in a room that had some like compute like gear in the background and like a white background. Hmm. It's hard to say. Hmm. So, whatever it is, I think it's going to be interesting in that regard. It's all just a deception. He's just making you think there's going to be something to sell more of games. Course. But then again... Keanu is a hot property okay, right now. Okay, first of all, yes. Keanu is extremely hot property right now. And also, and also, Kojima's always been a hot property. And even with this huge, like... The huge issues that he had when separating from... Um, Kotami? Hmm? What was the name of the... Oh, Konami. Konami, sorry. It's more oh. like Nami kicking him to the curb. Oh, yeah, Konami fucking kicked him, but, but it was still a huge thing. And 
And like he did, well, he did react by essentially saying "fuck," doing some stuff to pretty much just say "fuck you" to Konami. So. Oh yeah, no, he burned every bridge that he had left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like you know, maybe there's a way to go and come back here. It's like, nope, nope. He pulled a full Clover Studio. It's just nope. Yep, and and when they and when they released that that uh that second that game after um after Metal Gear, the last Metal Gear. And he was just like, that was the most horrible piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life. You know it's bad when the game servers are, for that game is no longer up and running. Oh wow, that's so soon. <laughs> I think they were down within six months. Yeah, it's, nobody wanted to play that game. and it, I played that game and it was garbage. The game of you creating a fence and stabbing through it with a stick. That's Metal Gear. <laughs> and that's Pretty why much. I don't pre-order games anymore. Except for I pre-ordered a lot of them after this. I was about to say, you fucking liar. I was just about to say, you are a fucking liar. Well, here's what's sad. So I I have not pre-ordered any games since uh, E3 of 2018. Yes, I remember. Was, we bought, we, that, we that made bets on how much we spent. That was where it's just like, oh my god, there's all these games. I want to play them. I know this I'm because we, we, bet, we, we all took bets to see yeah. how much you spent. Um, and I think the number went down because one of the you because one of the special editions didn't happen. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, GameStop canceling my uh, uh, PlayStation Four Pro order for the Kingdom Hearts edition game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that dropped a good four hundred dollars real quick. Yeah, there you go. And like a week before the game came out, which was a really fun thing. Hmm. Also, depending on how you count it, I probably did the math wrong because somehow or another I had pre-ordered Kingdom Hearts three times, uh, if you count that. <laughs> so in other words, you because uh, if I remember correctly, we get, I, I personally guessed about 175 bucks, And you were way the hell off. <laughs> oh yeah, I was way off at the time. But I think yeah. you, but I think what was the number you ended up coming up with? Uh, I, I think the number that I had stated when I did that was like seven hundred and thirty dollars or something like that. Oh yeah, and then it dropped four hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. So well, it's a, well, actually, because we actually never got the number until after the the thing had canceled. Yeah. So, still pissed about case. that, by the way. Oh, probably. GameStop dying a fire. Yeah, well, so, they are dying in a fire. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to what we were doing, though. Sorry. So and you're not going to pre-order the Kingdom, or not the Kingdom, the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remaster? Uh, I gotta be honest, I'm not. What? <laughs> no, what? Here, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll get... buy it at release. I'm not going to. No, it, it, not gonna and honestly, that's more my thing because honestly, Final Fantasy VII, and we might as well just go and talk about this now. I keep trying to get you to. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I will go and say. Presentation-wise, what they had going on was visually awesome. Going and having one of the reactors, uh, Shinra emblems all over the place. They had concept art from both the original as well as the uh, remake that were adorning a lot of the walls. And the idea of the... I guess a hundred... Well, it's probably, what, a 130-degree camera shoot? Um, with Cloud's bike is definitely a really cool idea, but whoever execution made it did a bad job. was sorry. What was that? Whoever made it made it did a bad job from the sounds. Well, of it. here's the thing: it's not that they did a bad job with it. I, I have, I will say, I will have to give them a little bit more credit than what initially I thought was going on. Um, but I will say it was very poorly conceived, I think was more the issue. Okay. Because I think that that motorcycle, in all honesty, when it was originally ordered... Was not meant to be to have, be like a, a ride on... I think it was supposed to be a show prop, <coughs> like a lot of the things that they have oh, set okay. up around the convention okay. floor. I don't think it was intended to be an actual ride on thing. Yeah. Because when I was getting off of it in particular... so. They tell you to go and put all of your weight onto the gas can when you're mounting this thing. You get up on these uh, metal rails, and then you go and swing your leg over to get onto it itself. Mm -hmm. So this thing is tall. I mean, it is freaking huge. As most things are in the Final Fantasy universe. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, 
visually it looks absolutely great but the materials that were made out of were very clearly more designed for show yeah that's just it. okay it wasn't yeah. designed to be written and when i got off of it and got a chance to walk across the front of it i realized that the chucks that you actually got up onto uh to go and actually mount the bike itself were scuffed to fuck well no that wasn't the thing those were not actually bolted onto the machine itself it was set up underneath it and was raised up to the body area on there. Mm. The bike itself, I really do believe, was designed just to be a showpiece. It was not designed to go and have people actually riding it regularly. Yeah, I would be it's, I would be greatly surprised if that was the case of the way that you're talking about it. Because I've, I've done some backstory. Because like, I'm a huge fan of prop making. Yeah. I can't make props to save my fucking life. But I love the background. Like uh, Frank Ippolito is one of my favorite prop makers, and like mm -hmm. Adam Savage and everything like that. And just costume, like costume making and stuff like that, is fascinating to me. Yeah. But like Frank Ippolito, for example, has made like stuff for monster for Monster Hunt, the Monster Hunter Three release. He made the huge dragon that yeah. they that they did at Con a couple years ago. Um, he helped out with Rexy, I think, for the Star Wars Con. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, you've heard about Rexy before, I'm pretty sure. I, I think so, yeah. It's not really ringing a bell, but that doesn't uh, really matter. Yeah, Rexy I mean. was the Rancor that, that like... Yeah, okay, yep, yep. Um, and other stuff like that. He's helped out. I, I might be misquoting a couple things, but that's besides the point. Um, it's just that those things were made specifically because it was like, okay, so we're making these out of these materials because we know that people are going to be around them all fucking day. So we're going to make this part a little bit more flimsy because we know no one's going to touch that. But we're going to make the hand and the thing and the thing and the thing. Going to be solid, made of different materials so that we can make sure and guarantee that they will survive and still look good by the end of the day. Yeah, and, and that's part of it is that I think that this was something that started off with a very different intention. Just because... And for the record, I'm not putting this on Square Enix specifically for PAX. I think that this probably was a different situation at another event like Gamescom. Because mm -hmm. most of these things move around uh, the world. Yes. You know, I'm sure that that motorcycle had been to Gamescom a couple of weeks beforehand. I'm sure that it probably was at E3, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was probably getting used that way. But... Because of the way that cause Square always goes all out oh, when they're at yeah when they're at PAX they always go all out they have honestly the largest number of terminals out of most of the big uh, publishers but they're doing a lot of things they were showcasing uh, Shadowbringers probably uh, yeah that was going on they were also uh, showcasing and had a playable demo of the Final Fantasy VIII Remaster which by the way looks absolutely fantastic for a basically updated and reskinned version of a game that came out uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's still my favorite fantastic. Final Fantasy and I am so happy about that. I hope they partner with Limited Run Games and get me a physical copy that I can put on my Switch because, oh my god, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> don't know for a fact that's happening, but I want that to happen. That's, that's my dream. Please, Santa, please. Uh, but yeah, they had that. They had the uh, Dragon Quest game that's getting ported over to Switch. They were going and doing demos of that and a whole bunch of other games. But my problem was with the Final Fantasy VII display. Uh, and for the record, I don't really have a problem with, okay, you got to get there early. We're going and doing this either by lottery or by first person to go and get here, first come, first serve situations and going and doing slotted times for gameplay demos. But you could definitely tell that things like the photo shoot area were something that were brought in from another company just to go and make things a little bit more accessible because a lot of what you got to see, or I should say a lot of the uh, stuff for Final Fantasy VII was behind closed doors. Because mm -hmm. they had a video area that they were bringing people through, uh, that they were showing off new stuff that hasn't been showcased from the game yet. Uh, at least not publicly, doing the same thing that they did with Death Stranding that John was able to get into. They had that going on in one booth, and that was just a big black box on the back end of the Square Enix booth over by the PAX Arena. But that's a common thing to see at things like this. Yeah, but not for them to go and be totally blank. Hmm. Like, this was the least interesting thing, and it was just, okay, we're just building this little theater into the back of our show space, and it made for something really awkward with it being paired up against the PAX Arena, which is fairly void 
unless they're actually running a tournament going on. Mm. And then my other issue, they did have a lot of terminals set up to play the demo of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. The only problem was, though, the demo itself for one of the most hotly anticipated games of 2020 runs 25 minutes. Mm. That severely limits the number of people that are going to be able to try and experience this thing. So when you have, you know, of their actual playable space, about half of it being taken up by this Final Fantasy VII exhibit, but you're making it extremely limited for people to access it and making it in such a way that you can't have people watching other people play it so that they can get their feel for it, that makes for a really awkward experience. So even though I'm fairly certain that I'm going to be playing Final Fantasy VII Remake when it launches, I still have a lot of questions. Something that they still will not answer is how much of Final Fantasy VII am I actually getting in the remake? They made the point it's still an episodic game. We know it's been going through development hell for the last couple of years. Square Enix took it back first party from a third party that they were paying to go and basically make the game. Uh back about two and a half years ago is when they actually started working on it themselves it's like there's so many questions I have about this and they're not telling us what we're getting into I clocked more than 100 hours into the original Final Fantasy 7 and I'm not expecting the same experience this is very clearly a different game than what we experienced there but I want to know how much of this story am I really going to get out of this what's the expected gameplay time I'm really worried that I'm going to get charged $60 or more, depending on the edition, to go and play something that's maybe like Half-Life Episode 1 or 2, or sorry, Half-Life 2 Episode 1 or 2, and maybe get between 4 to 8 hours out of it, and then be like, well, how long am I going to need to wait for the next one? Or does the $60 go and get me this unlimited pass to when they go and release new episodes and all that? See, that would be... That would be nice. Yeah, Square still won't talk about this, and I refuse to pre-order the game until I get that information. And I will say, technically, I did pre-order this. I canceled my pre-order the more that I thought about it after E3. Hmm. So, yeah, that's... I'm really trying not to pre-order games unless I'm getting a lot out of it. Because, yeah, I've been let down by several developers by, you know more promise than substance and shame on me for going and buying into it without seeing enough information mm. you know compare that to you know what I, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep talking here for a second here so um, way forward you guys have a great slate this year <laughs> I'm very happy between uh, Mighty Switch Force going and getting put into one solid collection which those have just been a fun little title from them uh, Shantae's got her fifth adventure coming out. Been a fan of uh, her for a long time. That's coming out sometime next year. And the game that I had completely ignored until I played the demo of it, waiting in line at the limited run games booth to try to get a hold of some stuff that I had missed out on pre-ordering uh, throughout the course of the year. River City Girls mm. is the first game that I have pre-ordered in a long time. Technically, it is already out on PC, and you can download it from the digital storefronts, but Limited Run Games is doing a physical release on uh, Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. I pre-ordered the Switch version of this, because, oh my god, Streets of Rage 4, you have something to be afraid of, and it's called River City Girls. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I have an RPG for you instead. If you're, if you're having doubts about Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm weird. I'm weird like that. But, you know, Square, I love you. You've been one of my favorite developers for a long time. But, you know, despite a couple of good recent releases, most of them have been as uh, publishers, not as developers. You know, the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider series have been absolutely great. Square only publishes them. They have no creative input in the games themselves. That, that's something I kind of wonder about. And yeah, they did go and release a good uh, Dragon Quest game. But yeah, that's also something where it's like, it is kind of a cookie-cutter franchise in some respects. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same game every time. Doesn't mean I don't like them. It's a very classic JRPG, and there's a place for that. But it's not what I would go and call 
really high on intellectual property at this point. It's a lot of very standard things. And to see that their most hotly anticipated title right now is a remake of a game that was semi-successful when it first launched and has grown more popularity through re-releases and digital distribution than it did at its initial launch, that's got me a little concerned right now. You know, you can't just keep living off the same thing. Mm. And as much as I did like uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, the reality is this also follows up my severe disappointment in Final Fantasy XV, a franchise that, despite the Final Fantasy XIII stuff, I really thought couldn't go in a wrong direction, you know, being their primary moneymaker, that they wouldn't just go and half-ass a lot of things. And then they did. Just became a DLC monster. Hmm. Sorry, please take me off of Final Fantasy VII. I don't want to be that guy. We're going to talk about uh, the turn-based RPG that I'm excited for, which is... Death Bulge Battle of the Bands. Oh, yeah! yeah! <laughs> that game I'm looks so awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, the demo was so fun. It's a turn-based RPG, um, but between your actions, there is a like a music bar where you have four slots, which can be filled by either positive or negative effects. So it kind of eliminates the downtime of a turn-based RPG while still keeping uh, the strategizing element that comes with stopping for a moment to consider your next move it has a cartoony rich world uh the soundtrack is fun the art style is nice the character designs are rocking uh it just it i am excited i don't even like turn-based rpgs uh overly much like i like persona 5 uh i tried final fantasy um and we'll try again i played for two hours and my save got erased boohoo me uh i'll try again someday but it's not my go-to game style. Um, so I, I'm going to play the heck out of this. I'm so excited. I, it looks so cute. And they have buff trees. Oh, my God. <laughs> the I did, ripped forest. I, I saw this game. And just at first glance, you can go and see an art style clearly influenced by something like Adventure Time. A gameplay style that is just ripped right out of 90s RPGs, a visual element to all the controls that just it feels like something out of Brutal Legend and then to mix it all in there it just looks like something you would expect out of a Guitar Hero influenced uh, development staff, even though it's not in any way a musical game in terms of how you play it. There's no timing. There's no quick syncs or anything like that. It's just a turn-based RPG. I cannot wait to play more of this. There was another uh, classic... There were two other classic-style games that both you and John picked up. John's <laughs> was reminiscent of his favorite title. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. 2000XX. That was... A pretty fun game and a nice little surprise it's done in the spirit of uh mega man x but had this cool concept where you could do co-op stages with up to three people and they had three different uh heroes uh one was a girl that played like traditional mega man x they had a guy that played like zero and then they had a third guy that could use a whip but it was honestly a really fun concept uh they did the whole it was it was mega man x it had the dashing the jumping the shooting the climbing it was jump dash and shoot man <laughs> and it was fun enough to the point where i even bought a thing so i could uh get the game at a little cheaper hmm. so that was very fun and rob literally bought an nes cartridge yes yes i did <laughs> and i'm not talking about um a classic one either i'm talking brand new haunted halloween 86 <laughs> The Curse of Possum Hollow. <laughs> cool. I I don't even know what to say here. This uh, retrotainment company. I. They just that, make new been, NES those, games. Yeah, those have been coming up a lot more the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. And no, like Jay and Silent Bob have a game that's uh, are on pre-order right now at uh, Limited Run Games that's coming out on... Uh, How did I not know about this? 
What? How do you not know about this? I thought for sure you would have pre-ordered that shit. Well, first of all, which is weird because I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. Yeah, what the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> yeah, my God. Yeah, Jalen or Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl. It's kind of cool that you're seeing this stuff go back to old NES cartilages. I mean, one of my collections I have is one of uh, the Angry Video Game Nerd versus Doctor Wily. Oh, it's just that's creative awesome, sets. man. It's creative how people can do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and not not to go back to this, but I, I want to get this out of the way here real quick because I will say this is a shout-out to Retrotainment Games because uh, when I was trying to buy this, they could not get a internet signal to work properly to save their lives, and they could not go and connect to either uh, Square or... I'm trying to remember what the other uh, service was that they tried to go and use. They had a redundancy that they couldn't even get to work on there. Uh, they were so worried that they were going to run out of these cartridges before I would be able to go and get to an ATM that they actually let me take this without paying. They are freaking sweet. They are the coolest people at all of Wait, wait. Why didn't they just hide the container? Hmm? I don't know. They offered just to go and give it to me. Like, That's nice I, of them. Yeah, no, these guys were super freaking cool. I cannot say enough good things about them. So I made sure to get back to them and go and get them their money. Don't worry, people. I did not go and get a free game off of these guys. This is not a pity uh, mention here. As much as but... they probably tried. <laughs> no, these guys are seriously awesome. Uh, actually, one of the uh, coders for the game... Uh, actually wants to be on the podcast at some point, so we're working with a couple of uh, publishers, developers, and promoters. Uh, we're going to try to go and put together a pseudo PAX Indie Top 10 uh, sometime in the next two months here. We're having a bit of a hard time trying to coordinate stuff. There's a couple of these companies that are based outside of the U.S., so trying to coordinate stuff is proving to be a little bit difficult, but so far, um, seven of the 12 people that I've talked to have... Uh, already contacted us or responded back to our messages so i expect to hear more about that in the future but these guys were absolutely awesome and i want to make sure they know uh how much i appreciated what they did for me because these were gone by the time i got back with money for them <laughs> that, that's insane yeah no they are they were so cool guys i i cannot emphasize on how great this was and honestly this is just a fun freaking game it is available digitally if you don't want the true nes experience you can still go and play it on the pc <laughs> yeah john talk to us about another game that you were in love with Ooh, put me on the spot yeah. um one game that i really enjoyed was the uh newest installment of the shovel knight franchise Ooh, oh yeah that. Shovel Knight. Oh, I'm spacing on the last part of the name. It was I was something... going to say there were there weren't there two of them because there was Shovel Knight Dig and then there was something else Shovel Knight. Yeah, there's Shovel Knight Dig and then there's um, Shovel Knight like Treasure. No, not Treasure Trove. That was the one that just came out. Um, essentially, long story short, you're playing as King Knight, which is one of the characters from Shovel Knight. Because essentially, Shovel Knight is just Mega Man. They're all something Knight in their name. Um, but you're King Knight and you're just getting your kingdom and involves you beating the crap out of the current king and stealing his castle because that's how king knight works oh there we go shovel or shovel knight treasure trove no that's not it oh shovel knight well hold geez Tre they actually have quite a few of them that yeah they have quite here. a few it's something battle cards oh uh shovel knight king of cards yeah king of cards that's the one yeah, it, and then there's oh Shovel Knight Dig, which I didn't get to play, but that looked fun. It looked like a dungeon crawler where you're just digging down or forward. And then there's actually a Shovel Knight game that's kind of like Super Smash Bros. Shovel Knight Showdown? Yeah, Shovel Knight Showdown. That was a fun game. Um, one game I really fell in love with, even though it was really basic, was Samurai Gun 2. Mm, mm, yes, over a double fine. Over a double fine. I just love this concept. Um there's this game out on switch where it's like one hit kill and you're playing a samurai and the guy that gets the first hit is the one that wins mm. and gun i love the concept of it because i love the idea of you jumping around a four square area slicing people up 
using the gun at range, but you only have like one shot, and then you could even use that shot to jump yourself forward. I like that idea. It's kind of similar to that recent stick figure game that came out. Yeah. Um, except for you can interact with the environment. Well, I mean, I guess you can do that in the stick figure game, too. More samurai stuff, less guns, mm -hmm. I guess, would be the main difference, but just kind of a fun party game. No, that, that was extremely fun there. Um, that actually... Just for those kind of simple games that you could just get a whole bunch of people together and just, you know, play, you know, with, against, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. um, that and Just Shapes and Beats really got to me this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, I, it's Bullet Hell meets Music Game meets Super Meat Boy. What? <laughs> Bullet it's really hard to go and describe. You, you just need to see it. It's unforgiving, but it looks just so much fun. It's got great music. The atmosphere is great. Visual presentations, absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, just like Samurai Gun, just for something to be able to go and pop onto with friends and just go and humiliate each other, not through skill, but sometimes just through random blind luck. Uh, that's definitely up there on my list. That. It is hard, though, to get a feel for those more story-driven games because there's just certain games that you can't demo easily. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are the strongest, we do realize we are biased more towards games that you can play a single match or that you can pick up easily. And I, mm -hmm. I do pass over some of those story-based games or those games that just have text box after text box. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not going to remember. So, I don't know. Per well, I mean, I guess I should just speak for myself. Personally, I pass over a lot of those games in favor of short games I can play with my friends. So. No, and that, that's totally legitimate there. Uh, I'll go and say Indie Mega Booth in particular, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that shows up there. And yeah, it's really hard for me to go and get engaged in a lot of it. Yeah. You know, only real exceptions being things like, you know, Monster Prom or Monster Camp. And that's just because that's a game built, or those are games built on their own style. And, yeah, those ones, you kind of have to take that leap of faith, but you can already tell there's so much passion in it that you're not going to be totally disappointed in it mm -hmm. uh, playing something like that. A little snack game that I liked um, was Crystal Crisis by the yes. makers of um, Ivan. No. No. Isaac. 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 Yes, the Binding of Isaac. The yes. Binding of Isaac. Do I get a cookie? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> binding of Isaac's been out for a long time, though, unless you're talking about an expansion to it. So there was an expansion, so you can play it ah. two-player, but I'm talking about Crystal Crisis, which is from the same developers, which is like Bejeweled, except for you have to activate your... Uh, except for you have to activate your combos using a different type of uh, shape. And it's competitive, kind of like Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine or, or two-player mode in Dr. Mario, <laughs> okay. uh, where you're trying to fuck the other person up, and uh, the amount of damage you're doing to them is physically represented by Chibi Warriors! So, <laughs> And you can actually have Isaac as a playable um, uh, character, so... It was, I thought it was going to be a beat-em-up fighter game, which is a style of game I like, and it turned out being a puzzle game, which is a style of game I like. <laughs> a style of game that you kicked everybody's ass at. Everybody. You know, that did help with my affinity towards the game. <laughs> <laughs> that I beat literally everyone we were with. <laughs> no, I, I will say that that was really cool on presentation. I haven't seen something like that in a long time as a standalone game. And, uh, yeah, the visual presentation was great. It was fun. I, I'd be interested in playing that again. I, I would like to get better at that and play somebody. But not me. <laughs> yeah. I'd still play you. Not Eventually me. I'll get good. Eventually a pity win will happen, or you'll fall asleep in the middle of it and I'll have a chance. I do love my slips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, are we at the moment where we give our best games of packs? Our number one? Oh, God, yeah, because there's, there's so many more that I could talk about, but it's like, ah, uh, yeah, no, I... I know, we didn't even talk about Teppin, which yeah. which was great, but, you know. Yeah, well, it, te the nice thing about Teppin, though, is that you can access it right now on both Google and the Apple app stores. Mm-hmm. So you can play that right now. 
I know I have it. <laughs> Morgan's ultimate, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, there's before we go and get to our uh, games of packs. I do want to go and throw a shout out to one more particular game because, well, I can't call it my favorite. Uh, this is definitely an honorable mention, but Acorn Attack of the Squirrels <laughs> might be a justifier for me for, um, how do I put this? These guys finally managed to go and make a VR party game that works in my mind. Mm -hmm. As weird as that sounds, it's a up to five person game where you have one person playing as a tree protecting his acorns and you can have four friends playing on their smartphones in contrast to the person playing in VR as the tree. And you're trying to go and steal said acorns. And you've got four different... Uh, Squirrels with different abilities. Some can go and uh, build structures. Some can go and dig under things. Some can go and set up shields. There's a weird bit of strategy that goes along with it. It's really charming visually. Like I said, it's the first time I've seen a VR party game that actually makes sense. And I want this to be a success. I do want uh, VR to continue to grow. And this is one of the most easily approachable and fun concepts I've seen in a long time from VR. So, uh, please, go and check this out. If you have an Oculus Quest, um, this would be a perfect game to play on it. Rob's non-gamer non wife, non yeah. wife uh, actually enjoyed it, too. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's really cute. It's really fun. So, yeah. That out of the or out of the way. Uh, who wants to go first with their game of packs? I will. Death Bulge. <laughs> Next. <laughs> it is pretty sweet, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Everyone just agrees with me. Ah. <laughs> it feels nice to to be agreed with. <laughs> trying to think of a game I played. Oof, put me on the spot. Again. I know, did you even play any games? Just kidding. I watched a game. <laughs> no. Cons are funny. John is a good con buddy. Oh, we didn't even talk about Borderlands. No, we I, didn't. I don't know. We but didn't play the demo. Everyone's going to play Borderlands, though. Yeah, we don't really need to mention Borderlands. You know what it's going to be. Awesome, sweet, cool gameplay with sarcastic dialogue. They also had some good swag, not gonna lie. John really and I just went swag. in the photo booth and they gave us like a lanyard and a t shirt and prints and a mask. I was like, cool. They're like, hey, you want a second shirt? Here you go. Yeah, they like even gave me a second shirt when I walked by again. I was like, sweet. I have to say, one of my favorite games I played there would have had to have been the new Shovel Knight game, because I always enjoyed Shovel Knight. Rob, you're it. Last but not least. Because I wasn't there. Woo! <laughs> Sorry, Cole. Which, based on our descriptions of the games, would you be most interested in? That's hard. That is really hard. I know, because you know a lot of the stuff you guys talked about is interesting, but at the same time, because I did not get to experience it, I'm not 100% sure. But, mm -hmm. um,. Of course, like, for example, I've never played any of the Final Fantasy games other than the MMO. So, of course, I'm kind of, I'm interested in, in playing 7 because I really, when that does come out. But like I said with Rob earlier, I'm, I'm going to buy it at release, not any earlier. Um, I am a fan of Graveyard Keeper. But, I don't know, there's too many for me to count. I personally, I think there, there's a good batch of things out there. And I'll just have to see what it, where where it goes from there. Yeah, Rob, mm -hmm. you're the last one. And you're muted, so we can't hear you. My bad. Yeah, you've been talking this whole time, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's muted. I'm not gonna tell him until it's too late. Yep. Yeah, and fuck you too, buddy. Uh huh. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, 
my favorite game of PAX is one I actually have not talked about yet. Ooh, it's called it. No Straight Roads. Mm. And this game just speaks to me on all the right levels. I actually find it really weird that two of my favorite games uh, for this year both involve uh, musical acts. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Death Bulge Battle of the Bands is awesome. And uh, No Straight Roads really just got me because of the visual presentation. This felt like one of those classic Dreamcast, PlayStation 2 era uh, kind of games, much in the visual styling of something like a Jet Set Radio. The story is the EDM empire has taken over the city and it's up to you, the guitarist, and your drummer friend to go and bring rock back to the city and take down the EDM empire. I Is Jack loved. Black in it? Because this sounds very familiar. I know, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not an epic fantasy, unfortunately, like Brutal Legend, but I will say it's really cool looking. The demo for it just felt buttery smooth. I cannot wait until next year when this game launches. This is another one that we're... Uh, getting the developer on to go and talk about this. They were the most enthusiastic about coming on, which, thank you. <laughs> but I'm not talking about it because of that. I just really loved the styling behind this game from the second I picked up the controller, got the headphones on. And for the record, I was in my Terra wig, so the headphones are not really on me. They're over the back. They're just barely holding onto my shoulders. I got them, like, scrunched up here just trying to keep the cups over my ears so I can go and hear everything. Despite how uncomfortable that part of the experience was for me, I was so into this game. Uh, it's coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and this is a weird one. Uh, at least for me, because I'm actually willing to go and say this one out loud. Uh, this is going to be an Epic Game Store exclusive on PC. But this one was also announced with that exclusively in mind, so I'm okay with this. That's the kind of exclusive that I have no problem with. Not ones people have been taking pre-orders on, on another platform. Just saying, Epic. <laughs> Just saying. He's never Goodness. gonna let it go. No, I am not, and Limited Run Games, I don't know why I'm talking about them so much tonight, but Limited Run Games, uh, tomorrow morning, well, I should say, uh, the day that this podcast is going up, uh, they will have released the Shenmue 3 Collector's Edition for pre-order, uh, for physical editions. <laughs> nice. So, um... Yeah, uh, you know, Epic, thank you for refunding my Kickstarter pledge uh, and giving me that. Uh, I assure you, I will be uh, putting that towards something very soon and enjoying it on my PS4. Thank you. Thank you, Epic Games. Thank you. Also, thank you guys for listening. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Epic Games Store. On that negative, negative note. Thank you for listening to our PAX wrap-up. Um, this is one of our favorite podcasts to do, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher and Google Play and iTunes and Spotify. Wherever free podcasts are sold. Yes! You don't even have to pre-order us. We're already here. And we're not episodical. <laughs> Actually, yes, we are. Yes, we are. No, we are exactly episodic. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't pretend that we're not. <laughs> we're not episodical. So anyway, tune in next week on Soccer Rangers in Space. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye.